I did need to process everything that had happened and kind of recollect myself that I couldn't just keep going to the next thing. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 32. In this episode, you will hear insights that I gained while chairing what I call a rock star student. Dr. Veronica Larova's doctoral project was titled The Evolution of Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Treatment, Lessons Learned from MDMA-Assisted Psychotherapy. Her project resulted in the development of the PACT model and was recently published in the Journal of Humanistic Psychology, and I'll make sure that I link to this article in the show notes below. She is currently completing her postdoctoral fellowship at the Wright Institute in Los Angeles, where she provides individual therapy and facilitates women's groups. Veronica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So where I wanted to start today was by just kind of setting the stage and explaining how we came to work with each other on your doctoral project. So I was teaching a course at an online university and you appeared on my roster and you were one of those students where everything was turned in on time. Your writing was stellar. I had to really dig deep to figure out how to give you feedback that was going to move you forward. And I remember thinking, oh, this would be a perfect student to chair because <laughs> she would practically chair herself. <laughs> and then it wasn't that long. I'm going to say maybe a year or so later, you contacted me looking for your committee. And the short story is I became your chair. And I think what happened was you came to me with this halo. I knew you were providing therapeutic services to people. I knew that you were already strong academically. I knew your area of interest was trauma. We already know the dissertation doctoral process whole journey is traumatic. So I think as a chair, what happened was I kind of thought you were just going to be totally fine on your own. And you were. You didn't reach out a lot and ask for assistance. I never saw you stress out. I was never in a position where I had to talk you down. And so what I want to talk about during this conversation is what the emotional journey was like for you so that both students and faculty chairing students, even those who come with this halo of, oh my gosh, this is the perfect doctoral student, what it's like on this journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like you know, like a great topic. And I think I, I had a pretty strict like timeline in mind for myself that had to do with, you know, getting enough clinical hours and graduating within a certain time and so on. But, you know, it was still a really, it was still a hard process for me. And it was especially hard afterwards, kind of dealing with the post-dissertation hangover and unwinding from the stress that I'd been carrying without even really realizing it. So you come into the doctoral project courses and was there a shift somewhere where you realized this is different from the classes and that you had to navigate it differently? Yeah, definitely. I think a big shift was taking into account all of the feedback from the committee members and the different feedback. And then also 
I think after I wrote the second chapter, I was already maybe like 70 pages in and, you know, I just got some feedback that it wasn't going down the right road or there was some criticism of the direction that the dissertation was taking. So I had to go back and really rewrite the first two chapters. Now, granted, I could reshuffle some of the information there, but I'd never had to do anything like that throughout the doctoral program, like resubmit a paper or anything like that. And so, you know, so I really, I just realized that it was a very different process and required more of a time commitment and more of a flexibility on my end and so on, more humility. (laughs) So much there to talk about. Let's start number one. You talked about, you had chapters one and two, we were working together. We really liked the direction it was going. And I talk about this on a number of different podcasts where the chair and the student are working together, creating this product that they're really happy about. But the whole point of this research demonstration project is to get other faculty involved to really critically analyze this, look at this and create something that meets the criteria for that university. So we were really excited. And then it went out for committee review and some significant feedback came back. Now, what ended up happening was we both agreed with the feedback. We both believed it would take it to this really amazing place. And it did, right? Mm -hmm. Your end product was absolutely different because of this feedback, but it was something that was unexpected, right? And so how did you, how did you handle that? What did you do to deal with this feedback? Yeah, I do think looking back. And once I reached kind of the end of the dissertation, I was grateful for all the feedback that I got up to that point. I could see how it helped to evolve the project. And I felt like it was more, more solid and more academically thorough and so on. But in the immediate, you know, in the immediate instance, when I got the feedback, I was devastated. And I felt like I'd put in all of this work and now I was going to have to go back and rewrite it. And I felt disappointed. I felt really drained at the thought of rewriting all of what I had previously written. I felt all of a sudden I felt kind of shaken. Like I think going into it, I felt really confident. I'd always done really well on papers and I'd gotten good feedback. And I had, I thought like a pretty solid idea of the direction that the dissertation would take. So when I realized that it might not be as smooth sailing as I had pictured in my mind, it really threw me off. I think it took me maybe not that long, because again, I wanted to like fit a certain timeline, but it definitely took me some time to reorient and kind of dig in again and just start writing. And from my perspective, we looked at the feedback, we both agreed it was good feedback and strong feedback. And as a chair, I again, I'm looking at you and I had no doubt that you could implement this feedback, but we didn't talk a lot about it It was kind of like, okay, Veronica, here's the feedback. Here's how we can do this. Let's go. And I didn't check in with you. I didn't say, did this shake you to your core? Did this, right? Hey, how are you going to process this? There's a a, really a processing, I think that happens when this critical Mm -hmm. feedback is given. So you, you don't have children, but you do live with your partner and Mm -hmm. you're in an online university where you weren't in a cohort. You didn't have these peers where you could call them and ask, did this happen to you? So how did Mm -hmm. you utilize your partner and did you utilize anyone else during this process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I utilize my partner a lot. I vented to him a lot about the process. I 
talked a lot about how difficult it was for me and, you know, difficult to, to feel like my degree is kind of on the line and I have to satisfy this group of committee members and so on and to be so close and just the whole process was, was hard for me. And also at that time I was in a pre-doctoral clinical internship. So I was lucky to be around people, some of whom had had gone through the process or were in the process during that time as well. And so I was able to also connect with them a little bit. And then someone that was really helpful for me was a close friend that I have who had gotten her doctorate the year before. And I just remembered her emotional experience of going through it. That was a source of comfort because I felt like I wasn't crazy for feeling the way I was. And, you know, and I knew that she had gotten through it. So I felt like, I kind of felt like I just had to keep taking the next step and I would get through it as well. So as we sit here reflecting, it's still relatively fresh. It was eight months ago, but some of the thoughts that I'm thinking are, wouldn't it be great if after a milestone document went out, there was maybe some sort of checklist that the chair and the student could go through in terms of being on the same page so that we check in with each other and we see if there's an opportunity for the chair to help integrate this feedback to ensure you have the supports, to ensure that this is, for lack of a better word, normalized for you hey, this isn't unique, this evolution, this iterative process. But you had a partner that was willing to sit there and listen to this. And we know that graduate school, especially a doctoral program, can be tough on relationships. There's a lot of research out there about relationships actually deteriorating during this process. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to share what did you guys do to make sure that this didn't tear you apart and maybe even brought you closer together. I was lucky. Ivan was, you know, supportive of me completing the doctorate and just throughout the doctoral process in general. And, you know, even prior to starting that process, I was working quite a bit and it was just, it was part of our relationship. While I was in school and while I was doing the dissertation, I had no, I had no real free time. It was always kind of in the back of my mind. I could be working on this class or I could be working on the dissertation and so on. So On the plus side, I was never bored, but on the other end, I always had something to fill my free time and, and it took up a lot of time. And so over time, he also picked up things to do in his free time and different hobbies and whatnot. And so it kind of came as more of a surprise when I finished my dissertation and all of a sudden I felt like I had all this free time and, and I was okay, let's make some plans. Like let's hang out. Let's. I don't know, take the dog out, whatever. And he reflected back, he's like, you know, you've been spending like years now and especially the last few months on your dissertation and on school and so on. And I've had to find things to do as well. And now I, now I filled some of that time. So it's kind of a, a growing, growing pains kind of experience. I think it's great to have someone around that supports, supports your goals, but You have to realize that while you're so focused on what you're trying to accomplish, they might also pick up something to fill that free time. You might not just be coming back into open space once you're done. I have a couple of questions there, but I am curious. Mm -hmm. Did you guys have a set date night or a time where you always connected, even though you were so busy with the dissertation or was it more of a, we're agreeing that for this certain period of time while I'm writing, we're going to kind of put this on hold and then maybe we'll take a vacation or a road trip after. How did you guys negotiate that? We always have meals together if we can. And our, at least 
for me, the last year of school and, and I guess like the, the six months that overlapped with writing the dissertation also overlapped with the quarantine and COVID. And so we were home together basically almost all the time. So that's one thing. So there was a big you know, change in both of our schedules just around that. But I'm also a big morning person and he's really not. And I tend to wind down in the evenings and like I never did any writing after 6 p.m. ever because that is just not my time. And so we always have meals together. We'd always sit down for dinner and we usually in the evenings would kind of relax together. And that was that was our time. It sounds like maybe one little tip out there for everyone listening is if your partner is frustrated with the amount of time that you're spending on this, maybe encourage them to fill that time, but then don't be surprised when you're done if they're not sitting there waiting for you so much, right? So let's talk about that post-dissertation hangover because you were the first student that really came to me and shared what you did to get over this. I almost see it as... And it might sound weird, but there's a grieving process you go through, I think, because you've worked so hard. Sometimes this is a goal you've been actively working towards literally since you were five years old, right? I mean, that's when you start school. And then at some point you realize you're going to keep going and keep going. And then here you are, you have this degree. Gone is this impending feeling of, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. So how do you almost reprogram your brain to accept that I've accomplished this goal? I am now doctor and maybe even heal from some of the trauma of writing the dissertation that occurred, whether that was through feedback or interactions with your family, your friends, your coworkers. Mm -hmm. And you, you found something really creative. I would love for you to share with the audience. Well, I will say that in the initial stages, I can kind of support what, what you're describing as kind of this post-dissertation slump or whatever it might be called. I think while you're in the process, you're holding a lot of anxiety and a lot of tension and you don't even really realize it. And that's true almost up until the very end, up until you defend the dissertation, which is stressful in and of itself. And I had in my mind, initially, I had the thought that I would just graduate and then I would immediately start studying for the clinical exam for the ECCP, which is the licensure exam here in California, but also throughout the United States. And I just couldn't. I did it for a few weeks and I was like, I'm so burnt out. I can't focus. I need to do something else for myself. And so I had read this book in the past as well, and I brought a co- my copy with me to show, <laughs> but it's called The Artist's Way, and it's a 12-week program, but it's kind of a way to reconnect to a more spiritual, more creative part of yourself. It's totally different from the side of your brain that I think you use when you're writing the dissertation. And I decided to just do that for myself just to kind of reorient. And so I was really dedicated to it for at least a month. And then I kind of picked up parts of it, you know, for the remainder of the time. But it it helped me so much. I just needed to switch to a different part of my brain and, and really kind of helped me connect to the fact that I did need to process everything that had happened and kind of recollect myself that I couldn't just keep going to the next thing. Let's talk about some of the techniques because you mentioned this book to me and I had heard about it from multiple different people actually in a very short period of time. So I took that as a sign that I should be checking this book out. And one of the techniques is starting every morning with journaling. 
Yeah. So there's two kind of core techniques of the program. One is starting every morning with journaling and, and it's kind of like a free write style. And, you know, I'm sure she explains it better in the book, but my understanding is it's just free writing, whatever's on your mind for a couple of pages and having that be the first thing that you do in the morning. So that's really helpful. And for me personally, I know some people like to save their journals and reflect on them in the back. And I think she does at some point in the program, say like around week seven or something like that, that you can go back and reread those. But for me, I usually write them and then I just throw them away, just kind of dump whatever is in my mind and then let it go. So that's one part of it. And then another part is she calls it but before, before we get to the other part, let's talk about that a little bit. She describes very descriptively, think mm-hmm. of it as a brain dump. Yeah. Could just get this stuff out. And I got a little dollar store spiral binder and I'd write for the three pages. And she just gives you this freedom of even if you're writing, if even if the words coming out or something like, I have no idea what I'm going to write about today. There's nothing in my brain, but you just do it. Stuff comes out that I found was very interesting. Then I would rip it out and I wouldn't just throw them away. I would shred it. I'm like, that was my brain dump. I don't ever need to see that again. And she'll say Mm -hmm. like, hey, if you have some brilliant idea, maybe log it somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. But out of curiosity, as you were doing that right after the dissertation, did you feel like you were purging stuff that you had never even really realized was going on for you during the process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Kind of like you mentioned, it's not always the most like elevated thoughts that you have in the morning sometimes, but a lot of the time it was just, uh, I feel really tired. Kind of a slew of complaints that I didn't want to put on anyone else, but I was feeling and I could just like put it down and then kind of in, at least in some ways, like let it go. You know, yeah, yeah I have I, a shredder too. I got a shredder during that time. You did, yeah. I think that's so interesting. I loved it. it it's mm-hmm. this purging of, you know, you acknowledge the emotions, and if you guys have heard the podcast with Doctor Yusum, it's this idea where you don't want to stifle your emotions. You want to acknowledge them. You want to be with them. You want to process them so you can write all this stuff down. And hey, maybe this would have been, do you think if you had thought about this before, this could have potentially been helpful while you were going through the process? That's a good question. It's hard to say. I think for someone, it could be helpful. I think for me, I had to, I don't know, just be on during that time. I think if I had spent too much time reflecting, it would have taken me off balance. So see, that's Um, fascinating. mm -hmm. That's interesting. So tap in, see what may or may not be working for you, because that is an interesting concept of just kind of needing to quote unquote, hold it together, Mm -hmm. hold it together. You needed to get this done. You had a time frame, but now it's done. And as you were talking, I just saw part of your body just being really expansive and exercise this analytical goal driven, but then there was this whole other part of your body that for lack of a better phrase was depleted or not really given its time. And so here you are now in the morning writing pen to paper, which is one of my favorite things in the world, and then just shredding it, getting it out of your field so that you could move on. Yeah. And I think, you know, as at least for people who are in the mental health field and psychotherapy and so on, it tends to be more of a right brain type of field, like people who are more creative and empathic and intuitive. And it is kind of like a stretch to exercise the opposite end where you're being more analytical and very organized and so on. And so recognizing that that other part of yourself also needs to be fed and that it might be kind of starved after going through a process like that. Yeah. Almost you have to bring it back to life. Mm -hmm. So here you are, you do your journal writing. And then the second thing that she recommends, 
Okay. So the second thing that she recommends is once a week, taking yourself on an artist date is what she calls it. But it's basically taking yourself somewhere fun, somewhere uplifting. She specifies it doesn't have to be somewhere expensive. It could be going to a park or something like that. But it's meant to be a solo activity. So going on your own. And and again, meant to kind of exercise, I guess, that part of you that might be missing a sense of fun or creativity or novelty or like more like sensual kind of pleasure of seeing things that are new or tasting things that are different, that kind of thing. And when I started implementing that, I realized for as much as I am into self-care, I wasn't taking myself out on a date hardly ever. I would always ask my kids, hey, I'm going for a walk. Who wants to come? The thought really Mm -hmm. didn't occur to me once a week, set aside a time. And she even says, and leave your phone no distractions. So you're not even taking pictures or selfies while you're on this. It is really just fully being present and rediscovering what is it that brings you pleasure, really? Pleasure, I think, is something that maybe we push away during a doctoral program. Yeah, definitely. It's, hey, nose to the grindstone. There'll be time for that later. Mm-hmm. And then you finish. And now it's this time of of this absence that you're filling. And why not fill it with a very simple activity that takes really just a few minutes in the morning Mm -hmm. to integrate and purge all the stuff that you've gone through. And then you go on your date, take yourself on your artist date by yourself. And because your partner probably, you know, has created their own hobbies while you've been busy working, there's Mm -hmm. something for you to do while they're off doing their thing. Right. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. So since you recommended that the students that have defended after you, it's something that I recommend. And I say, Hey, I had the student and she did this and I got the book and it's been really cool. So, you know, check it out. And I've gotten great feedback. So we'll link to this book in the show notes, the artist's way, something to consider after the dissertation. And uh, while you're going through the dissertation, I think probably the thing I heard most from you is don't go it alone. Whether that's a coworker, a peer, your partner, your chair, allow yourself time and space to process the feedback as it's coming, to be candid about being shaken. And if you've got a relationship with your chair where you can do that, and as a chair, having had conversations with you post, what I took out of it is check in with the student regardless of how amazing they are so that you can be there as a support for them, not just academically, but emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have any final words of wisdom or a quote or something you want to share out there, either to people going through the process or their partners, what Mm -hmm. do you want to leave the audience with today? Gosh, final words of wisdom isn't my my strong suit, but I think what comes to mind with the dissertation and you know maybe with life in general is just don't give up. Just keep going. Find that support system. It's so important. It can seem like everyone's just coasting through it until you really talk to them or open up yourself. And it's sometimes it's just like one step at a time, just taking the next step, not necessarily looking ahead to the next huge milestone, but literally just like, what can I do today? What can I do today? And it adds up and then you're done. (laughs) It's kind of that eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? Right. It is such an overwhelming process. I love the idea of 
All you need to know is the very next thing. Exactly. As long as you know that, you know, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Veronica, thanks for coming on today and sharing your experience and giving us this opportunity to reflect about what happened while you were in the process and share some things that are hitting home to a lot of our listeners today. So I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode. But until then, I'd like to invite you to visit my website, expandyourhappy.com, where you can download a document I wrote called The Doctoral Journey, 12 Things You Need to Know That They Probably Won't Tell You. And when you download that article, you'll be invited to participate in a seven-day email adventure that will help you kickstart your happy doctoral journey. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. And until the next episode, I'm sending you more joy for your journey. Oh, hey, one more thing. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. 